Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Floor 9. This is your host, Adam Simon, the strategy lead for the IPG Media Lab. Today, I'm joined by Alyssa Myers from Morning Brew. Alyssa, welcome to Floor 9. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. I work on our Marketing Brew newsletter. Specifically, I spend most of my time writing about podcast advertising, audio marketing, everything really that has to do with audio advertising. Awesome. Well, it's a perfect topic for Floor 9. As you know, we're super passionate about podcasting here. Recently, the IAB forecast that the podcasting ad market will break $2 billion this year, and by 2024, we'll actually break $4 billion. That's pretty significant, and it's money that's flowing in from other channels. Another stat I recently discovered is eMarketer is saying that adults in the U.S. are actually increasing their time spent with podcasting by about 15% year over year. Alyssa, what are you seeing on your side in terms of growth in the industry and listener behaviors? The first stat that you referenced, the ad revenue, that was a big deal that recently the IAB kind of confirmed that podcast ad revenue surpassed a billion dollars last year. That was a big goal that had been forecast for several years before. So I think a lot of people in the industry really had their eye on that as 2021 being the billion dollar year. As you mentioned too, projections from here on out just keep getting exponentially bigger year to year. So I think now that we've crossed that point, that was pretty significant. I think we're into pretty big numbers now. And alongside that wasn't really surprising because we've spent the past couple of years in the podcast industry hearing about bigger and bigger blue chip brands getting into the space more than just the D2C companies that were really known to be the big podcast advertisers for a long time. This news kind of comes on the back of a lot of smaller news that bigger companies were investing more and more in podcast advertising. So it was a big milestone, but not the most surprising thing in the world. We talk a lot about how listeners will check out a new show because of the topic, but stay subscribed week after week because of that relationship with the hosts. It's an interesting blend of that host being an influencer and a creator, but also in this case, you have that person's voice in your ear every week. And we know that frequent podcast listeners develop these parasocial relationships with hosts. So a host read ad comes across as more of an endorsement than anything else. I think that has something to do with it. And it's not just the number of users, but I think it's the type of listeners and the way that they're engaging with podcasts. I think a lot of advertisers have heard and learned in recent years, especially with regard to younger generations who grew up being exposed to advertising. They're very savvy about it now. They can tell even if you try to make it not so obvious the post on Instagram is sponsored, or they're not really watching cable TV. Maybe they're getting up to go refill their water if they're streaming something and they have an ad break. And then with podcasting, it's a little different. There is this unique opportunity to be in someone's ear. That's the refrain that a lot of people use. When you have headphones in, you can skip an ad. That's certainly an issue. You're not really taking them out. You're not really walking away. You're sticking with this content. And a lot of times people who listen to podcasts, they have listened to the same host for two years, five years, a decade. They have really good relationships with the hosts that they listen to. I can say that from personal experience, that there's a lot of podcasts where I hear a host read ad, I'm not skipping it. Maybe sometimes if it's pre-produced, then skipping is a bigger issue. But if you hear a host that you really like, doesn't really matter what they're talking about. If they're talking about a brand, they're doing an ad read, I'm still there for it. I'm not going to skip it. Oftentimes you'll get more than you bargain for too, more than you pay for. If you do a host read ad and you buy 60 seconds, it's super common that a host will go on for 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes for the price of a 60 second ad. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Unlike most other platforms, the host read ads on podcasts can be very off the cuff and 
can be very long, actually, which is interesting because in most other time-based channels, it's been trending in the opposite direction for a long time. That's a story I'm working right now, actually, about the high-risk, high-reward scenario that advertisers get themselves into when they choose to do live post-red advertising. That's obviously one side of the equation and one way that brands are engaging with podcast creators and consumers. The other side of things is dynamic ad insertion and the programmatic side of podcast ads. That's something that was really nascent just a couple of years ago, but has been maturing rapidly and has really been expanding the kinds of brands that are comfortable advertising in podcasts. Alyssa, what are you seeing on the dynamic ad insertion side of things? It's a good question. And there's a lot of nuance there, actually. It's pretty surprising when you get into the weeds about it. First thing that I would say is that, yes, dynamic ad insertion in podcasting has become super popular. It doesn't necessarily mean that post-red ads aren't still happening because post-red ads can be dynamically inserted. A lot of the times they're still live read, baked into an episode. That's definitely still happening. But you could have kind of this hybrid scenario where a host will pre-record an ad, insert it into the episode later on. So dynamic ad insertion in podcasting doesn't necessarily exclude host red advertising. The programmatic piece is even more in the weeds. It is, like you said, a growing aspect of the industry. You can't ignore that. It's still very small. I think the latest IAB data is that 2% of podcast ads these days are programmatic. When you say programmatic in podcasting, even the definition itself is a little bit different than what it means for other digital mediums. It's not yet totally hands-off. So a lot of times if you're saying you're buying programmatic in a podcast, that doesn't mean that the buyer is doing it all on their own with no contact with whatever network you're working with. It's kind of a version of programmatic where you have a platform and you can do some of it by yourself. But usually even in programmatic podcast advertising, there's someone on the network side, the sell side as well, who's helping you out. As dynamic ad insertion is maturing, we're also seeing developments in measurement and tracking. Traditionally, you would just get download numbers and you wouldn't really know how many people are actually listening, let alone making it all the way through to your ad. That was something that kept a lot of brands out of the space because if you didn't have a direct response campaign, it didn't necessarily make sense. But that's changing too. Most recently, Spotify acquired Podsites and Chartable, two of the major players on the measurement side of things. What are you seeing in terms of measurement and reporting, and how is that developing? You're absolutely right that demand for that has always been around. It hasn't been historically where a lot of advertisers would like it to be. And as, like we've said, these bigger blue chip brands are getting into podcasting, they're only doing that because podcasts are now able to offer more of these tools that they're used to with other digital mediums like dynamic ad insertion and programmatic marketplaces and certainly these measurement tools. Spotify acquiring both Chartable and Pod sites at the same time, that was definitely a big deal because those were the two biggest companies that were offering pixel-based attribution and podcast measurement. And the fact that they kind of scooped them both up was a big deal in the industry because a lot of other companies that kind of were in the measurement space, maybe podcast planning companies or analytics companies. They had always kind of said, these two big companies, they really have the market cornered in terms of the pixel-based attribution, figured it out, they're doing it well. I don't think those two companies had a ton of competition. So the thing that kind of made waves was, okay, now that Spotify acquired them, it's all good and well. You can still work with those companies. Spotify is going to use them to measure the ads that they are selling and running. But that was kind of the little side note there is that, okay, now Spotify doesn't 
have an external company, some call it third party, checking their work. So if you're working with Spotify and you're also using their pod sites tool, it's all internal. There is an opportunity now, some other attribution measurement companies are saying, we're hearing from clients, other people that we work with, they're asking us now about our attribution tools because maybe they want to add something new now that these companies are internal for Spotify. Do you think new competitors will arise that will provide that third-party Nielsen-style measurement? Or do you think that brands will stick with the partners that they know and be absorbed into the Spotify ecosystem? It'll be a combination of some of those things. It seems like a lot of people are taking this as an opportunity to work on their own attribution solutions, do something similar, or perhaps something more innovative, something better. That's the hope. Something better comes of this. When more companies put their mind to it, people will continue to use these services. Spotify is such a powerhouse when it comes to podcasting. They have missteps. They make news for bad reasons all the time. They're still trusted. Of course, people are still going to advertise with Spotify. Um, I don't really think that people are now having any sort of exodus from the platform since these acquisitions. That's all good and well. I just think it's some companies are saying we want to add something we want to just super make sure double triple check our work that what we're paying for is what we're getting so thinking about the larger landscape beyond programmatic what do you think are the best ways or the most interesting ways for brands that are interested in the podcasting space to get started beyond those programmatic buys on spotify there are so many options. I kind of think of it different levels to it. Maybe start at the very top, which is your own branded podcast. That's the most you can do. You can invest in creating your own podcast. And some companies can do that internally, depending on the people, the tools that they have in-house. Maybe you got someone who's a real audio whiz and they can handle editing and producing your podcast all by themselves. There's also a lot of podcast production companies that will work with brands to create their podcasts. I think the big pitch there is that, yeah, you got to pay for it, but it's a lot cheaper than doing anything in video. Companies are looking at that option if they are really all in. They want to commit to podcasting, commit to audio, really leave their mark on it. You can create a whole season, multiple seasons, depending on who you are. Maybe you are a brand that has a really unique story or you have crazy loyalty like Trader Joe's. They've got a podcast that has been going for a long time that is very popular. That's really focused on them and their story and their product. And they're a brand that can pull that off because people are obsessed with Trader Joe's. McDonald's had something similar a few years back. They made a podcast, just a, a quick series run about their Szechuan sauce, which was also just a cult hit. People were obsessed with it, so they could pull that off. But a lot of other companies, they want to go into podcasting. They have to get a little bit more general. Some entertainment companies are having success with this, like streaming services that make companion podcasts. Some of them are for super fans of the show. They focus on interviews with the actors, the creators, directors, people like that. Some of them are more broad. If you've got a sci-fi show, you can create a companion podcast where you interview tech pros today. Moral questions that come up in the show, you can talk about it more broadly on the podcast and use that to attract a wider audience to just the podcast or to the show itself. There's a lot of ways for companies to make branded podcasts, which is the greatest investment you can make in podcasting. For sure. And to your point, I think we already have seen good examples of brands, both on an ongoing basis or even just as a limited series situation, having good success and doing interesting, creative, engaging podcasts in that way. Just thinking more broadly about the audio space in general. Obviously, the other thing that has happened over the past couple of years is the rise of social audio on apps like Clubhouse or Twitter Spaces or Green Room, which was also acquired by Spotify. How do you think about those kinds of audio environments versus traditional podcasts? 
That's an interesting question. I think it's an indicator that audio is becoming something increasingly that brands need to think about. You need to have audio assets because you never know when something like that is going to crop up. Clubhouse had its big moment and that's an audio only platform. Like all of those are just examples of spaces where people can interact with brands without seeing them at all. So it's becoming more important to have something like a sonic identity, a jingle. Think about your music more carefully with the rise of these audio first platforms. It's just becoming important for companies to have those sort of audio assets on hand because they are going to find touch points to engage with consumers where no visuals are involved at all. We use the very serious term sonic branding, but I think we should go back to calling them jingles because who doesn't love a good jingle? It's exactly the kind of thing that sticks in your head and gets people remembering your brand when they are in market for something. So you mentioned earlier that there were different tiers and different ways in beyond programmatic ads or brands creating their own podcasts. What are those other ways in and how are you seeing brands experiment with them? There's plenty you can do somewhere in between the branded podcast and a pre-recorded 30 second spot dynamically inserted. If you want to find something in the in-between, you got lots of options. There are podcasts and hosts that will work with your brand on something a little more custom. Sometimes it's a two minute ad read or a five minute ad read, or even a 10 minute long branded segment is what some networks call it. That is a little more custom and very much done in the host's voice. So you get that influencer aspect of it, which is perhaps why that style is so popular among influencer podcast hosts, really popular podcasters started out their careers on social media. That's a popular strategy for sure. Working with an influencer on a custom ad read, they have really dedicated followings. They're going to buy what this influencer is selling because that is their whole job. And these people, like I said, they started out on Instagram or TikTok or social media Essentially, a lot of them running their own ad businesses, they're really used to working with advertisers and being given kind of free reign or at least a little bit of say over their ad copy. But I think from what I've heard, they apply that to podcasting for better or for worse. Might be scary for some brands to go so hands-off and say, here's just some bullet notes, not word-for-word copy. You do this live read maybe, and we trust you to do it without even listening to it ahead of time. But the benefit is that it's basically like influencer marketing and you get this endorsement straight from this person in their own words. And sometimes it's more than even just an influencer. There are A-list celebrities who have podcasts who will endorse your brand in a way that would be astronomically expensive. If you had this person doing the same exact thing on television, you can now get that in a podcast. That's super interesting. And you make a great point that podcasts are a way for brands to work with talent that otherwise might be inaccessible to them. A lot of times when we're talking about new channels, we're talking about B2C brands. But I think in this case, we've seen a lot of B2B brands entering the space much earlier than usual. What are you seeing in terms of the trends and in terms of maybe the differences in how to think about things if you're a B2B brand versus a B2C brand working in the podcasting space? It's tricky, but I think there's opportunities for B2B brands in podcasting. Podcasting is known to have a fairly educated audience. There's a lot of business-oriented podcasts. It's got this reputation, too, of commuters listening to an episode on their way to work, although maybe now it's just on their way from bed to the kitchen if you're like me and you're still working from home. But podcasting had this reputation as people listen while they commute. I've heard a lot of people say it's part of my work. I'm looking for something that can be helpful to me in a professional sense. So we've seen companies like 
Chief, which just made big news for achieving unicorn status. They've got a podcast. They're about connecting women in business and women in the C-suite. And there's a ton of business podcasts out there, but they kind of found a niche in making this podcast that is focused on female executives and executives from other diverse backgrounds, but it's still for everyone. Business leaders can learn from this. So if you're a B2B brand, I think you have to be very careful. Same with B2C brands about finding your niche and making sure that you are speaking to something that there is demand for that people want to listen to. And it's not just a podcast selling your product or your service. But if you can find that niche and, and find out a way to create that content, especially in the business world, there is demand there from podcast listeners. And again, the barriers to entry are so much lower than other channels. I think there's a lot of room for more creativity and imagination around the kinds of content that brands can produce. Now, I wanna go back to the bigger picture and what we were talking about at the top of the show. Originally, and for many years, podcast advertising was focused on mostly direct-to-consumer brands because they could have those promo codes for things like Squarespace or Casper or any brand where it was easy to have a direct response offer. That's obviously started shifting. What are you seeing in terms of the balance between direct response advertising and brand advertising in podcasts? I think that has everything to do with what we talked about at the top of the show, which was the fact that the audience for podcasts is getting bigger and it's getting easier for networks and hosts to show that and prove that and say, this is our audience size and this is their engagement. Stats like that are becoming available. So not only is the audience for podcasts growing, but brands and advertisers are trusting that more. It's not just people saying, well, we've got a good audience. They're dedicated. They can prove it with numbers. So I think that is a better environment for brand advertising as opposed to direct response where you, yeah, you had a vanity URL that you typed in and it was very easy to track and attribute your campaign that way. But now that some podcasts have such huge audiences, that's more conducive for a branding campaign. You're not necessarily just trying to sell something. It's about promoting your brand's reputation or brand awareness or something like that. And podcasting now has the audience where it could do something like that. And it doesn't just have to be about coupon codes and vanity URLs anymore. In thinking about the future, the next year or so, what are you excited about? What are you watching? How do you think podcasting as a media channel is going to develop and change in the near future? That's a great question. The audience for podcasting, I think, again, is something that I have my eye on, especially just coming off of podcast upfronts a couple of weeks ago. A big point around that was actually the diversity of podcast audiences these days. So I'm keeping my eye on stats like that, especially because for so many years, even as recently as uh, three years ago, when I first started covering podcasting, people would say, podcast listener, it's a 40-year-old millennial white guy. That's the big demographic. And we've seen that shift a little bit, obviously, as more people are listening to podcasting. That means there are more diverse audiences. There are more networks that serve different niches. Like I said, there's ways to access people who are not just the typical podcast listener. I think the, the definition of a typical podcast listener is changing. So that's something that's very attractive to a lot of brands. That's something I got my eye on. We talked about programmatic growth that 
it's growing slowly. Still just 2% of podcast ads about are done programmatically, but that sort of tech, it's super interesting to keep your eye on how that changes because that's what advertisers are asking for. These big companies expect to be able to have programmatic options and track their campaigns very well. And maybe they expect that they don't just want a podcast ad. They want to cross promote on YouTube, which is very popular. Or maybe they want to work an Instagram ad in there. And that's difficult because oftentimes different agencies will handle a social budget versus a podcast budget. But that's another interesting problem that I'm kind of looking forward to seeing how podcast networks and ad agencies maybe try to solve. Alyssa, this has been great. It's been great chatting with you and talking about how the podcast landscape is changing. Where can our audience find your work and get more of your great insights on what's happening in podcasting? You can find it primarily in the Marketing Brew newsletter. Go to marketingbrew.com and sign up there. We'll be in your inbox five days a week. And you can also check out my stories on Twitter if you are so inclined. I'm at a Myers underscore on Twitter. Awesome. Thank you so much. That was so much fun. Thank you, Adam. And that is it for this episode of Floor 9. As always, you can find us at ipgmedialab.com and on Twitter and Medium. 